Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Okay, I think we have some uh, testimonies, do we not? This is the Kainos Leadership Day making its way up. Here you go, Shane. Thanks. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm so stoked. Um, if you haven't met some of our team, this is us, Gary, Stacy, Matthew, Hannah, and me, Shannon. And uh, we have a couple testimonies from our kids from camp. And camp was incredible. Like, it was like I, my expectations were here, and I was like, all right, Lord, I have some high expectations, and he just, like, came and up the ante. It was awesome. Like, one of the biggest things that I think I saw was that we created an environment where we were like, all right, Holy Spirit, we want you to show up. We all want to go somewhere. But then, like, I was supposed to speak on Saturday night, and when worship started, that was it. That was the end of the night. We worshiped hard for four and a half to five hours. It was nuts. We had two drum kits. We had two drummers going all at the same time. We were going buck wild with, with going after it, like dancing like wild people. And it was just abandoned craziness. Like people were on the floor. They were sobbing. They were getting encountered. People were shaking. People were dancing. People were getting freedom. People who had never had their hands risen in the air, like, were getting freedom to be able to, like, express their worship. And it was just incredible because it was like every single person got their own personal encounter. Like, it wasn't just that we went somewhere corporately together. It was like everybody individually got something and then went there together. And so we're going to just uh, have a couple of our kids give a quick testimony about what God did to to them during uh, camp. So this is Ethan Dudley. So not everybody was able to make it up there, and that was very unfortunate. And there were a lot of people who were on fire who weren't able to make it up there. And, you know, that's unfortunate, but life goes on. But we didn't want you know, them to not get all of the glory that we were receiving up there. So one person in particular, Talia, Saturday night, we prayed over her. And at that moment, like we texted later that night, and she said exactly at that moment that she got wrecked, like her knees were shaking. (laughs) And so that just really hit me that God can reach you anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're up on a mountaintop at an awesome church camp or if you're just down here and just doing what you do every day. He can reach you wherever. And, you know, a lot up here we sing, when you walk into the room, everything changes. But he walked into the room as soon as we were born. So everything has been changed from the start. That's awesome. So good. Thanks, Ethan. All right. And this is Trinity Ross. Okay. So um, in the weeks leading up to camp, I was kind of in a bit of a 
rut, I guess you could say. I was just not feeling it, and I was kind of just going through the motions. But I really wanted to go to camp because all of my friends were going, and I thought it would be a really good experience anyway. I was like, maybe I'll get something out of it. So I went and got freaking wrecked, man. <laughs> but um, <laughs> So something in particular that I wanted to speak on today was that um, we had a breakout session where we all went out in, on our own in private and took our Bible and our journal and stuff and just really dug in with the Lord and try and see what he was going to give us. And so I had been, I sat outside in this gazebo area and I was by myself listening to some worship music and it was freezing outside. It was so cold, but I was um, in my little fingerless gloves writing in my journal and everything, and I was getting all this great stuff, and I thought I was done, so I put my journal away, and I uh, capped my pen, and I was just kind of sitting there soaking and listening to the worship music, and I closed my eyes, and I started to get this really cool vision, and um, I was in... I was seeing into heaven, and I could see God, and he was sitting there, and I could see that he was crying. There was tears rolling down his face, and my immediate thought that followed that was, oh my God, what did I do wrong? He's mad at me. He's sad. Uh, what, what's going on? Why is he crying? And as I watched him longer, I realized that he was crying because he felt such deep, deep love for me and everybody that he was seeing. And he was looking down at the world, and he was seeing all these people that he loved. And he was crying these tears of love. And his tears fell down onto the earth, and they and my perspective changed, and I could see myself, and I was kind of dingy and old-looking. And as these tears fell, they washed over me, and I got washed. It was like I took a shower all of a sudden, and that was bright and new and clean. And... I started like just going at it with the Lord. I was pr- I was praising him and I was um super excited to be with him and I went all there was it was, I was in this room filled with lots of other people that looked dingy and old and too. So I went up to the first person I saw and I started talking to them about how much they were loved by the Lord and I could see that they were kind of starting to like understand and they were kind of lighting up but as soon, and then as soon as I touched them, they just exploded with light. And then they got excited, and they would go and pray for every other people. And it was just this chain reaction of everybody going and praying for all these different people. And it all started with God, like, just showing me how much he loved everybody, that, like, all of his children. It was amazing. That's so good. Thanks, Trinity. That's so good. I love that we serve a God that it's not a junior Holy Spirit, that it doesn't matter where you're at in life. Like, he meets you just exactly where you're at. Okay. So I've been having troubles, like, with the last three months about, like, friendship because I only have, like, this one friend, and we've been getting in a lot of fights. And then the enemy just kind of told me, like, that's your only friend, and you just lost her. Like, you're done. Like, you don't have any friends. No one likes you. And so... Um, I was just kind of, like, getting smashed by the devil, and I have trouble, like, worshiping at my house, because there's always something on my mind, like, oh, I have to go do this, I have to go do that, I can't just stop and worship. So, I've just been, like, lost with God, and, like, getting pounded on by the devil, and then I went to camp, and we worshiped that Saturday night, and I just got wrecked. But I didn't really know the song, so I was just kind of standing there just like, la, 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 
And um, Gary walks over, and he's like jumping and dancing in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, you don't, do you know this song? He's like, no. And I'm like, then what are you singing? And he's like, oh, I'm just singing in tongues. And I'm like, oh, I don't really know how to do that. He's like, oh, I'll pray for you. So he prays over me, and I just get like that little spark. And I just start like laughing, and then the laughing turns to tears. And then I'm like on the floor bawling, um, just like getting encountered. And the Holy Spirit ripped away that old self that was like self-doubting and like has no friends. And he just um, embraced me with a blanket of love. And he sent over people to pray for me and showed me that these are your friends. Like these people care about you. Like you can go to them with anything and they'll like care about you. And then I just like got wrecked and... uh, I finally, like, stood up, and usually when I'm worshiping, I'm just kind of like, nah, 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 because, like, I feel like everyone's staring at me, like, I'm going to, like, getting judged, but I finally, like, let that wall down, broke all that chains, and just, like, started jumping and, like, worshiping the Holy Spirit, and it was great, and that's my testimony. (laughs) So... Man, what, like what Ethan said at the very beginning, like what was imparted on our kids is meant for everyone. And so I just want to pray, like we're going to pray and reach out our hands and we're going to just impart, have our kids. Would you raise, like push your hands on somebody? And Lord, we just thank you that what you give to us is meant to be given to the, the body and to the rest of the world. And so Father, we just, we thank you for what you've done and that you did come and that you did come with your presence and that you wrecked us. Father, I ask that you would just release an impartation of your presence right now, that that love would be um, full and overflowing, that those uh, raindrops and teardrops of love would hit each person even in this room, Father. But Lord, that there would be freshness, that there would be like a, a breath of fresh air in the wind of their sails, Lord, that it would just be that push in the spirit and we just bless them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Um, and real quick, I just we just had a, a few of you guys or a lot of you guys who have been giving your time to this ministry and, and resources. And um, just as a team, we just want to thank you. Um, those of you who have given your time, uh, those of you who have prayed, and um, man, it, it just went so far in, in your finances. So um, thank you to everybody who's been supporting us. And uh, we just wanted to just bless you and say thank you. So. Um, we love you guys, and it wouldn't happen without you guys. So, thank you. All right, and here's Luke, everybody. Yeah, come on. Hey, let's give it up for the Kainos team, the leadership team. These guys are doing so much good work. Wow. Double drummers, tomahawks, getting wrecked. Oh man. Do that all at the same time. That would be crazy. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, let's pray. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for these testimonies. Thank you for what you're doing uh, among the students. And we thank you that it's real, God. I, I know for so many of us, we can look back to those defining moments and Look back to our youth and, and remember those, those times where maybe we heard you for the first time. 
where we noticed something for the first time or became aware of something for the first time. And so we bless the seeds of your kingdom that are being planted that will bear fruit years from now. We bless that, Lord God. And even for us here today, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love to meet us exactly where we're at. And that's already been spoken out this morning. I'll speak it out again. God, we thank you that you love to meet us right where we're at. And I, I bless each heart today as we come into this place, God. And as we've been listening to these stories and singing songs and praying together, God, I thank you um, that you are at work and you're making us more like you. And so we welcome that, God. We receive that together as your people. We bless the work that's already been happening here this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I got about 20 minutes, which is great. I'll try not to take too much time because I want to get you home to your nap. <laughs> um, by the way, my name is Luke. If, if you're a visitor with us here today, if you're a guest, so, so great to have you here this morning. I'm so glad you could spend some time with us. And you got a really good wide snapshot of who we are as a community today. A lot of awesome things happening. Um, so in, in the time that we have, I just want to... I want to pick up on um, this, this series that we've been in the last few weeks. And, and uh, ushers, I think you have some of these, some three-by-five cards that you can pass out around the room. Uh, ushers are going to pass out these three-by-five cards. And uh, I'll explain that here in a second. Um, but yeah, the, the last few weeks, uh, we've been uh, talking about the soul, this, this um, series, this teaching series called Soul Strength. We believe that God actually loves our souls, all right? And so in church world, sometimes, you know, we, we dominantly talk about spiritual things, right, and what's happening in our spirit, because we believe that as born-again people, um, as, God, as we, as we come, become born-again in the spirit of God, that is our, how we actually uh, relate to the God has, is in our spirits. We believe that we are body, soul, and spirit, but, but certainly though, uh, some people have taken that too far where they, they think that maybe the body and soul don't matter as much as the spirit, and that's not true, because God actually likes the way he designed you, and he didn't make a mistake. It's just the problem is when our bodies and souls become in charge, that creates some problems for us. So, but when we live from our spirits, when we live from the spirit man that God has deposited inside of us, and we welcome his spirit to, to, to live in our spirit, then our souls can express what our spirit's doing. Our bodies can express what our soul's doing. And it becomes this very beautiful picture of what he intended for us to live as whole human beings, body, soul, and spirit, all praising God together. Isn't that beautiful? And that's why in First Thessalonians it says, No, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is into your body. He's into your soul. He's into restoring your soul. He's into pulling your soul into its best spot so your mind, your will, and your emotions are all firing so you're thinking brilliantly. You're feeling deeply the heart of God and that your desires become aligned with the desires of heaven. And so even as we prayed 
uh, even in song a little bit ago, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let your will be done in, in our life. And what that is, is the prayer that says, God, let your desires become our desires. Let your desires be made manifest here on earth. And so here's what I want to do, though. You guys all got a three-by-five card. Some of you, you, maybe you like taking notes on your phone even better. Um, you can do that as well. I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Um, that, I, that really is probably, probably the most important question for this morning, the most important thing. Um, and I want you to picture Jesus as if he's walking into the room and he comes and stands right in front of you and he looks you in the eyes and he says, he asks you a question. And the question is, what is it I can do for you? I want you to picture him asking that question to you. Hey, what can I do for you? Okay? And I'm going to give you just a couple minutes here. And I want you to write down a few things that come to mind. And the, the, really the question is, what is it that you want? Okay? That's a hard question. I know that's kind of an intimidating question. It's pretty broad. You might not know right away, but I want you over the, the next 10 to 15 minutes as things come to mind. I'll give you a little space here, but you can keep writing as, things, as, as we continue. Try to write down a few things. Some of you might write down 10. Some of you might d- write down one. But if Jesus, if you had a chance to have a face-to-face conversation with Jesus and he asks you the question, what is it I can do for you? What would you say to him? Okay. I'm just going to give you a little space right here. So if, if you've been with us the last couple weeks, like Jenny last week, she talked about the part of our soul we call the emotions, right? Our feeling center. She did a great job last week, by the way. Um, I encourage you to go listen to that talk. And, and part of the question we're asking is, how do we worship God in our souls? How do we develop strong souls, a, a strong emotional health, and steward what we feel, right? Today we're talking about a little bit about the will, and the will is a very interesting part of who we are. It's the desire center. It's the place of longing inside of us. It's the place of what is it that you want, right? And, and the will is fascinating along with the emotions and even our thoughts that we're going to talk about next week. Because like we've, been, like we've been saying, our soul, what's interesting about our soul is our soul is kind of like the dashboard in the vehicle of our lives, And if you want to understand how you're really doing, if you want to understand where God is at work, it's really interesting to pay attention to how your soul is doing, which means paying attention to how are you feeling. 
what are you thinking about these days? And like we're talking about today, what are the things that you're finding yourself wanting and longing for and desiring in your life? What is it that you want? When you are able to answer these questions, it will tell you a whole lot about not only how you're actually doing, but it'll tell you a whole lot about where God is actually at work in your life, conforming you and making you into his image, bringing you breakthrough and bringing you freedom and loving you in places maybe we didn't realize before. And the will is a really interesting part of our soul um, because I don't know about you, to me it feels a little bit different to talk about our will because, you know, with the with your, with your emotions, you can just say, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just choose a better attitude, right? Or like with your thoughts, if you're thinking something, you're like, oh, that's not a good thought. I'm just going to think a different thought. Isn't that hard? It's kind of hard to do with things that you want, right? To just stop wanting things. You ever try that? That's why we do these 30-day things, right? Like if, if, if you need to change something you really want, you have to like... Yeah, you call it a whole 30 or whatever you need to do. I mean, you're going you're gonna to set aside a month or two to like, you know, discipline yourself to like, oh, I got to curve this thing that I want. Sometimes with the will, it feels longer lasting. It feels like, man, I can't just tackle this. And that's what makes it very interesting to look at the will. And how is it that we worship God with our wills? No, really, like I'm asking you the question, how is it? I'm really interested because if you have the answer, I want you to tell my three-year-old son. Um, he has what you would call a strong will, right? And, uh, and, and, and what that means for him is that you never are, are left wondering what he wants. You know exactly what he wants every moment of the day, all right? And that creates a very interesting household, um, because we're always trying to help him manage what it is that he's wanting, right? Fortunately for him, his, his will is strong enough that it wears him out, okay? So like, what, like just the other day, I'm trying to get him to take a nap, and uh, he didn't want to take a nap, right? I mean, what three-year-old wants to take a nap? He just didn't want to take a nap, and he let me know he didn't want to take a nap for about, you know, 45 minutes, that's how long that conversation went, right? And so fortunately, his desire to not take a nap wore him out so much that he fell asleep on the stairs, right? <laughs> so that's what happens, you know, when you want something so badly. You don't know how to get it, and it just is going to wear you out anyways. And so the will is a really funny thing um, because we have to understand what God's purpose is for our desire is, and it's, it's, it's a good thing, though, that we, we understand that God has made us to be a people of, of strong will. Sometimes even with, with our kids, we say things like, oh, we've got to break, you know, break their will or break their spirits, like these really terrible sayings at the end of the day. Like we have to break them of like want. No, that's not really what it is because God actually desired, he designed us to be people of passion, to be people of deep want and, and longing, uh, uh, not to be enslaved by that want, but to be redirected into his purposes and his desire. But, and that's the whole reason you're in this room today, I believe. You're not here because you feel obligated to, hopefully not. You're here because something inside of you, man, you've responded to something 
this invitation of God. And so part of the reason we gather is because we want to be a part of God's people. We want to respond back to him. We want to grow and develop and to, and to learn more about what it means to be this people on mission with God. And this was his design from the beginning, right? And this is what I love so much about the gospel story is even in the beginning, even in the beginning, the whole premise of what we're doing is built on God designing people with the ability to choose, the ability to want things and then actually respond to what they want, right? That's the whole reason he designed us. And, and that's the reason that we can say we're actually in a relationship with God. If he forced us to do something, if he's, if he's, if he's uh, conjoling us or, or, or making us fit into a mold, that's not actually a loving relationship. True love actually involves the ability to choose to enter into that love. And so he designs the human race phenomenally with the ability to actually choose to respond to the love that he created us with. Now, that, that seems crazy to me. That is insane that he designed us and then gave us the ability to choose him back or not choose him back or choose whatever it is we wanted. What? Doesn't it sometimes feel easier if God, it just, it's like, God, why don't you just force me to do the right things? Because that's not relationship. And he's not interested in that. He's not interested in robots and machines. He's interested in humans. And so he designed us with this unbelievable ability to choose and to desire in our hearts. And it only took us three chapters into the Bible to use that choice for something else. We caught a picture of something else. We were deceived. Eve was deceived. Adam was deceived. Because they realized they wanted something. Now, if they had a chance to talk to the Father, he might be able to redirect that, but they didn't. They just responded to what it is that they wanted. And it turns out they already had what they wanted. They wanted to be like God. But they decided that, man, this is, you know, if I take things into my own hands, this is going to get us to where we, you know, this is going to leave us better off, right? Anybody relate to that? And that was the original sin. They, they chose because they were able to. They were given the freedom to choose. And so from that point on, though, God honors this choice. He honors that choice, even with the consequences that left. And it fractured things. It fractured a relationship. And so it, 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 it sent the whole human race on this little tailspin, right? But God, the intentions of his heart never changed. He was always after us. He was always after us being known and us being known by him, us walking with him in the garden, unashamed, naked and unashamed, right? And so he did whatever he had to do to continue to honor that. And, and what, we re- what we read over the story and the whole narrative of Scripture is that God, he makes decisions too, and he has longings and he has choices too. And just like he gave us a choice, he has a choice too. And his choice was to not leave us alone or leave us abandoned to our own consequences. His choice was to come rescue us from those consequences. So just as we sing, Jesus paid it all. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. So Jesus had a choice and he decided to come in flesh to be among us, to show us what it looks like to live as the most human person could ever live. He came to show us what it looks like to actually be human, which means to live in relationship with the Father, live with the soul, to surrender to the Spirit of God. And he came as well 
And in John 6.38, it says, I came not to do my own will, but to do the will of my Father. He came to reflect the desire of the Father, but here on earth. And this whole choice of Jesus that landed him here took him all the way to this place in the Garden of Gethsemane just a couple days before he would... uh, uh, just moments, actually, before he would be crucified. He's in the garden, and he has this super vulnerable conversation with the Father that has to do with his will. Because it turns out Jesus had a will, too. He had things that he wanted. He had desires. And he was caught in this place. He was alone. His disciples are falling asleep while he's praying. And he's having this conversation with the father that's so intense that it said he was bleeding he was sweating blood and in this conversation he asked the father this question he said father if you're willing would you let this cup pass from me but then he followed it up you know nevertheless Not my will, but your will be done. And it was this place even for Jesus where we don't know what it is, what was happening inside of him. We know it was intense. But he was even caught in this place where he said, God, this is hard. This is hard. But I want your will to be made manifest inside of me. I want what you want. In other words, Father... Help me to want what it is that you want. I want to want everything that you want, right? Father, I want to want what you want me to want. And that's a really interesting question. That's a really interesting um, desire as Jesus was submitting to the Father. And it's a good It's a good question for us to ask as well. It's a good posture of heart. Father, we want to want what it is you want us to want. What is it that you want us to want? (laughs) And that's a hard, that's a really hard question when you think about that as well, because that could mean a lot of different things. But I think what Jesus actually taught us to do as well was not just to try to change our wants right away to his wants, but to start with maybe just being honest with what it is that we want right now. What is it that you want right now? See, that's a really good question. It's such a good question that Jesus asked this question a couple times to two different groups of people. In Mark chapter 10, he asked this question two two passages in a row. And I think Mark put these back to back because he asked the same question two different times. And you know that when Jesus asks questions, you know, you know it's about to get interesting, right? Because his questions sometimes are actually more powerful than his statements. Because his questions reveal something about what he thinks as well. Um, so I, I want to read this passage, Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to 45. If you have your Bibles, you can read along with me. He's talking to his disciples here. He just, he just told them he's about to, he's about to die. He's about to be delivered um, 
to the Pharisees in Jerusalem, to the rulers, to be flogged, to be mocked, to be, to be beaten, this whole thing. And the next scene, Mark 10, verse 35, it says this, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. That's kind of funny. Would you say that to Jesus? Hey, Jesus, hey, I want you to do whatever I ask of you, right? Like if my kid said that to me, my son came up, hey, Dad, I want you to do whatever I ask of him. You're grounded, right? You, you get to your room right now. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And here's what he said to them. What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand or one at your left hand in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you were asking, Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles are lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this is a fascinating Fascinating picture of what's happening because you get a glimpse into really what's in the heart, what it is that his disciples want, particularly James and John. When they were confronted with this question, their answer was what? Like, Jesus, hey, I've just got to be honest with you. We want the power. We want the glory. Just give us the goods, right? Like, we signed up for that, you know? (laughs) And, and, and what's interesting is, like, their, their answer was very honest. They were just showing up. This is what we want. Like, you asked us, right? You asked us what we want, and we're going to tell you what we want. The rest of the disciples were like, how could you even say that, right? It says the rest of the disciples were indignant. They were, like, they were ready just to beat James and John for being so honest. But listen, they showed up with their honesty. And what's, what's amazing is, as, as ridiculous as their request was, Jesus never rebuked them. Do you notice that? And sometimes we think if we were in that shoes, Jesus would actually, ah, I can't believe that you want that. I can't believe, shame on you for wanting that. Right? And that's not what we read. What we read is Jesus listens to that, and he's like, oh, interesting. Okay. Are you sure you know what you want? Are you sure you know what you're asking for? Yeah, we do. Okay. And then Jesus goes on to tell them how to get what they're wanting. Right? So we see that and we're like, how dare they want that? But what Jesus says, okay, you're showing up. You're revealing to me the desire of your heart. Okay, now that you've showed that to me, that's a good place to start. That's a good place for us to pick up in the conversation. I'm going to show you now how it is to get this power and glory. Oh, you want power and glory? Okay, power and glory is going to come like this. You see the Gentiles doing it like this. You see the Romans 
lording it over people like this. If you want power and glory, you have to become the least of all. You're going to have to give up your life. This whole thing of being drinking from the same cup or being baptized with the same baptism, that basically means you've got to do what I'm about to do. You have to give up your very life if you want power and you want glory. So Jesus, when, he, he's, he, when he's talking with his, his disciples, they're revealing that desire within them. He addresses them right where they're at, and yeah, he redirects them a little bit. But what's important here is that Jesus is actually interested in what it is that you want because from the very beginning you were designed to be a person of desire and if jesus is after something as disciples as his disciples he's after knowing what our deepest desire is and then meeting us there not just fabricating new desires that we think that he wants us to say but meeting us where we're actually at and this is really important for us as we think about the souls we think about being strong in our souls that we god can only meet us where we're actually at. And this is a really important principle for us because sometimes we think that he wants us to answer one way where he actually wants to meet us where we really are. And so some of you, you know, on this three-by-five card, you're writing down things that you want, and I hope you were honest there because some of you, um, maybe, maybe in those desires, you wrote down things like, man, I just, I really, I really want my kids to obey me. I, I really just want to have a job that works so I can actually, like, make money. Or I want this relationship to, to be repaired. I want this thing in my body to be healed. And, and there's these things that kind of surface over time, you know, that we think about what it is that we actually want. And sometimes, for some of us, we don't know what it is we actually want. This is why this is such a good question. Because he can't tell us what to want. He can only meet us where we actually are desiring things. And then when we allow him to meet us there, then he's allowed to shape that conversation or maybe ask some follow-up questions. And so for me, even recently, I was just thinking about, you know, this time I was at home and, you know, with, with parenting, sometimes it's really difficult. I love my kids. I love them. I pray for them every night, but sometimes I want to kill them, right? Um, and I was, I was remembering just, man, just feeling this, this, this place of frustration that they weren't doing what I said I wanted to do. They weren't obeying me. And I was thinking, I want what I want right now. I was asking the question, what is it that I want right now? What is, where does all this emotion come in? What is it that I want? And I'm thinking, okay, I want them to obey me. And then I started asking follow-up questions. Okay, why is that? Well, because I, I feel like that's, that's what they, have, they should do. I'm their dad, right? And, 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 and if they don't obey me, then I'm going to feel incompetent as a parent. Okay, now we're getting somewhere, right? And I started to kind of ask follow-up questions about what it is that I was really wanting. And really what I was wanting led to this point of like, man, I, I want them to obey me because if they don't obey me, I'm going to feel the shame of being a bad parent because my only version of being a good parent is getting my kids to do what I tell them. And so if I can get them to do what I tell them, that's where I feel value or validated in my life. And so really what I want is actually to know that I'm worth something as a dad. And I'm valid. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're actually talking about what you really want. Now, there's a lot of good, good reasons to want your kids to obey you. But for me, as I started asking the question, what is it that I want here? It started getting down into root 
desires. And I'm telling you, for us as a body, as we begin to ask these questions and, and, and ask the next question, the next question, the next question, Jesus can actually meet us in this place where we think we want one thing, but what it is that we want is actually another thing. And then he can actually come into that place and then meet us in the deepest layer of desire in our heart and say, that is the place that I'm after and that is the place that I'm ready to meet you right now. And so this, the next story, we, we leave the story of James and John, we go to the next story. And I won't read it, I'll just paraphrase it. And we meet this blind man, his name is Bartimaeus. And he, they hear that, he hears that, that Jesus is coming to town. He's coming down the street and the crowds are starting to gather and, and he, he cries out with the loudest voice he can muster, you know, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and so they, Jesus asks him to come and they bring Bartimaeus and it's very clear what's wrong with Bartimaeus at this point in time. Everybody, there's no confusion on the street with what's wrong with Bartimaeus. He's blind. He can't see. That's why everybody has to bring him to Jesus. And so Jesus still, at this point, he asks the same question. What is it that you want? What is it that you want me to do for you? It feels almost insulting, doesn't it? But it's really important because sometimes when we're not aware of what we want, then, then we're not aware of, of where he wants to encounter us most. And there's a lot of answers there. He, Bartimaeus could have responded, listen, I don't want to beg anymore on the street. I want to have a normal life. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to feel humiliated. There's probably a lot of things he could have said, but he says, I, I want to see again. And so Jesus says, see your response, and he says, your faith has made you well. And he begins to see, and the first thing he sees is the face of Jesus right there. And it says he begins to follow, follow Jesus, because this faith, he responded not just to what was possible, but to this invitation to new life, and he begins to follow Jesus. And I think, again, coming back to us today, this question, what do you want me to do for you, is such a critical question, because what it does is it reveals where we're really at. And if you had a hard time answering that question, then that leaves you in a different place because there's an opportunity for you to know what is it that really, really matters to you at the deepest core of where you are. And as you're honest about that, and as you bring that to Jesus, do you trust? Do you trust that he actually cares about the desires of your heart and wants to meet you there and to walk with you from that place? And so we, we got to end here in just a moment. Here's what I want you to do, though. I want you to think about one of the things that you wrote down. Pick, pick one of the things that you wrote down that you feel like is one of the most true desires on that list. And I want you to do something with that. I want you to take just one of those things, turn to the person sitting next to you, and I want you if you're, if you're comfortable with this, pick one of those desires and just let them know. Just tell them, I want blank, blank, and blank. Okay? You can just pick one. If it's too revealing for you, just pick another one. Okay? That's totally fine. But I want you to, to verbalize this. Tell somebody sitting next to you what it is you want. Say it right now.
Okay. Okay, okay, okay. You don't have to explain it. It's fine. Okay, now think about this. Whatever you just said, how did you feel as you were saying it? Did you feel embarrassed for wanting that? Did you feel like what you wanted was too big? Did you feel like what you want was too small? Did you feel like what, as you heard your mouth say what it is that you wrote down, did you believe it when you said it? Okay, those are all really good questions. And there's so many different ways to follow up with that, right? And it's true, sometimes, sometimes we want is too small. So this last year, I, I asked my, uh, my son Asher, I said, hey, if we could get on a plane and go anywhere, anywhere in the world, where is it that you would want to go? And he thought about it for a second, and his eyes got really big, and he said, the zoo. <laughs> That's as far as his imagination went. He didn't even, re- he had no imagination <laughs> For life outside, it's like, man, this is the best, dude. I mean, that's the best it gets. Top of the, you know. But what, as you said what you wanted, what is it that welled up inside of you? And I think those are interesting questions. Why did I feel that? Should I feel shame about this? Or should I not feel shame about this? Jesus, would you meet me in how I feel about what I want? That's a really, those are really good questions. But here's... There's a lot of places to go, but we have to kind of finish up here. Here's what I would say, though. For those of you who spoke what you wanted and you felt like your heart just kind of sped up a little bit, maybe, or you think about that desire even right now, and your heart just beats a little faster, you feel something perk up inside of you, you know that that's a deep desire of your heart. And you came and you, that you're feeling that longing right now. You, feel, you just feel that want. No matter how ridiculous that want is, I just want to be rich you know, that might be true, okay? Or I, I, I want this, I want that. It's, no matter how ridiculous you think it is or how achievable you think it is or how accessible you think it is, if you feel and say that when you said that was true, I want you to stand up just across the room. If you said something that you felt like was true, stand up. And it's okay. Some of you are like, man, I'm not sure if that was quite it. I said something, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if that's quite what I want. That's totally fine, okay? So look at this, like, Across the room, we're standing here as people of desire, of people of will, of people that want. Not that we've been left alone, but we're people that are filled with these desires. And I, and I believe that this morning, as, as you've, you're faithful just to express that, you're faithful to be honest with that, to even talk about it, what it is, I just want to pray for you as you're responding to that and I just want to pray that you become aware of Jesus of Nazareth meeting you and asking you that question you responding and him being highly interested in the desires of your heart do you know that he loves the desires of your heart and he may need to shift them he may need to redefine them hey let's talk about what it means to be rich let's talk about what it means to be in charge right or to be the boss 
Let's talk about those things. Yeah, those are interesting conversations. But guess what? When you are able to respond to him, he's saying, great. Now we have a place to go together. We get to talk about what this looks like together. And we get to surrender our desires to his desires and let him shape us in these places. So let me, I'm just going to pray for you. If you just, just receive the blessing of God today. God, I thank you this morning, Jesus, that you have not created us to be apathetic or to be numb or to be dull, but you've created us to be a people of feeling, even, Lord God, if that leaves us uh, longing or even that leaves us in a place of anxiousness, Lord God, because we've, ha- we've had these desires for so long. God, I thank you that this morning, even as we've expressed these things and, and, and heard our mouths say these things to a, an actual person, around us. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your desire, as you ask that question, what is it that you want? God, I think your desire is to not tease us, but it is to meet us in these places and to encounter us in these places. You are not here to make light of or to make fun of our desires, but you're here to engage us in our deepest desires. God, you created us to be a people. to match your desires, Lord God, that your will would become our will on earth as it is in heaven, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that our, our, everything inside of us would become in alignment with the things of heaven, Lord Jesus. And God, as we show up with right where we're at and whatever it is that's happening inside of us, God, I thank you that you're faithful to not to brush us over or try to, or try to excuse us or try to move us to something different, but you engage us exactly where we are at right now. And that's why you are so faithful, Lord God, we thank you for the good news, Lord Jesus, that you are not scared of what we want, but you want to engage us. We thank you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.